Hey everyone, welcome to the Influency Podcast. I'm Hadar and this is episode number 199. Oh my God. So in the next episode, I'm going to have to do something special. So stay tuned for episode 200. Either way, episode number 99 is all about the immigrant experience. And today you will get to meet Marcelo. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome back. Thank you so much for being here. And today we have another episode interview, interview episode that is part of the Immigrant Experience series. If you don't know this yet, then 2022 is the year where we explore the immigrant experience, especially for those of you who have immigrated to a new country, have immigrated in the past, are immigrants or planning on immigrating whatever that is, this is for you. But since it's also a conversation about confidence and mindset and English, it's for everyone really. But I want to highlight the stories of immigrants throughout the year because I think that immigrants, especially when it comes to their English experience, have to deal with so many things and overcome so many barriers and obstacles that um, if I can provide a few more tools to deal with those obstacles, then I'd be happy. <laughs> so we're just making it a bit more specific. And again, like I think the idea of hearing stories of others is probably one of the most powerful tools in reminding ourselves that we are doing just fine. And we're not the only ones who suffer from this or that, or who experience this or that. Sometimes we think that our experience is just this individual experience in the world and everyone else is having it easy <laughs> and are succeeding. So hearing those stories reminds you, us, that that's not the case. And it's okay, because it's part of the human experience. Back to Marcelo. Marcelo is a student of mine. He joined New Sound about a year ago, and then he's been an active member in Beyond since then. And his transformation was pretty remarkable, as well as his willingness to contribute to the community, help others, and share his experience with others. And this is what he's going to be doing here in this episode, telling us his story, being open and vulnerable and creating a space for us to learn from that, from his experience. Plus, it's really interesting. Okay, so <laughs> I'm not going to keep you waiting and keep talking, making it about me all the time. Me, 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 me. Yeah, so let's listen. When Marcelo first moved from sunny Sao Paulo to snowy Iowa, the first thing he experienced was depression. He did not feel like he belonged. He felt that English was an obstacle because he wasn't able to fully understand the people he was working with. And also the cultural gap was really noticeable and he did not know how to navigate it. 
So in this episode, he's going to share with you how he was able to overcome all that, own his English, overcome mental and psychological obstacles and barriers, and he's also going to share with you a few tips if you're thinking of immigrating. Marcelo's story is so interesting and inspiring, and I'm inviting you to listen to it. Hey, Marcelo, so good to have you here. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Hi, Hadar. How are you doing? I'm doing amazing. I'm super excited for this interview. We've known each other for quite a bit, for almost right. a year, I think. Almost a year, yes. And uh, yes. and I, I, I can't wait for my audience to get to know you and your story as part of our Immigrant Experience series. So before we begin, why don't you just quickly introduce yourself to the audience? Tell us where you're from and maybe where you live right now. All right. Um, I'm Brazilian. I'm from Sao Paulo. It's the biggest, one of the biggest cities in Brazil with more than 20 million people. And um, right now I'm living here in Austin, Texas. Uh, Austin is the capital of Texas. I'm completely different from Sao Paulo, and, but I really like it. How long have you been living there? Here in Austin, I've been living, I moved here in 2016. Um, it's been six years, yeah. But before, before moving to here, I lived in Iowa, which is in the Midwest, in a city called Des Moines. It's a French name, but it's, it's called Des Moines, uh, which is also the capital of Iowa. And moving from the Midwest to the south of the United States was kind of shocking for me because they have a different culture, and um, I had to adapt. I must say that I really liked the south compared to the Midwest. How would you define the difference between the two? The Midwest, uh, there's less diversity. Um, the state per se, I think, has only two or three percent of diversity. Um, but Des Moines, I think, had like I would say eighty-six percent of white people, and and the rest of us like Latinos, black, and other and other um, maybe um, Native Americans. So the diversity here in Austin is much more compared to that. And here in Austin, we have at least 35% of, Latin, 35% of Latinos. Mm. And that to me is like, it's a huge difference. And it makes me feel like more uh, in part of the, the society, in part of the community. Which is something that you did not feel in the Midwest? No. I, 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 people, I think that's an interesting part because somebody told me on my f first week there, they said, these people, they are nice, but it's just a fear change. And that is stuck into my mind. It's almost like they feared people from outside. And from outside, it uh -huh. could be anything. It could be language. It could be ethnicity. It could be anything. And he even told me, he was a nice guy, and he told me, because he took me to a, a baseball game and he was really nice. And he said, oh, that's sad because the companies bring you guys here and just drop. Because <laughs> that's what happened. I, they brought us here to work. I, I, first of all, I didn't know the Iowa at the time, but they brought us there. They brought me there and just dropped me. And I had to decide by myself where to live, everything wow. to figure out everything. So what was it like to move from, you know, the culture that you knew in Brazil, in Sao Paulo, 
Yeah. And to move to that culture, not only that, it was probably very, very different. And we talk, can talk about the differences between Brazilian culture and Midwestern culture, but also moving to a place where the other is feared, right? Of Or people are afraid of the other. So what was it like in that, in addition to, you know, all the the things that you have to deal with, like finding an apartment and bureaucracy and the visa and work and then getting around town. So all of that, like that alone is a lot to deal with. You know, even in your own town, when you move from one apartment to another, that's like you're shut down for a month, right? So to move to a different country, but also to change the environment, to change the culture completely, I'm sure that it had an impact on your yes. well-being or feeling, you know, how you're, you're feeling. Yeah, first of all, I was in Brazil when um, it was January 13th. I remember that. Imagine summer in Brazil, and I was arriving in the Midwest. This is a small town from 20 million people going to this small town that has half a million people. And when I arrived, it was my first time seeing snow. I could see wow. both those little houses. And... In the morning, all the houses they look like the same, like the two-story, like beige or blue. And I was just looking at it. I said, "Oh my God, what the have I done?" <laughs> <laughs> just like, okay, just well, that's an interesting start. <laughs> what the hell have I done? <laughs> I had really that feeling. Good luck with that. <laughs> and then I had a. Uh, the company had um. Uh, Hey, they got to me like a, a hotel. They paid me a hotel to stay for two weeks. So mm -hmm. I called the cab. The guy took me to the hotel, was very close to the airport. And I got to, here I am. I don't know what to do. And, you know, like the first days was just like crazy because I had to order pizza, to bring it. Everything was paid was two weeks. That, that was fine. But, I mean, I was really excited. First of all, when I decided to come, I was I was thinking about wanting to stay for six months. And then I got there my first day. Um, they were really nice and everything, but it was interesting because they really liked me. They, they gave me everything that I needed. But uh, first thing that I noticed is I couldn't understand my manager. <laughs> I wasn't sure it was his accent or anything. Like, he was talking to me, I was just like, I could be like one word or different words here and there, but the whole thing was like, oh, I thought, can you please send me an email? So I'll, I'll take a look when I get to my, my desk. <laughs> that, that's a pretty resourceful way to handle this situation. Yeah. I was actually really surprised because I really thought my English was up to, to do that. Mm. I had studied a lot of English for a long time. I had done TOEFL. I had done a Michigan exam. I thought I was ready. I had no idea who would be like that. Like, and I started noticing that that I couldn't really understand them. Like, I couldn't mm -hmm. understand like if you're talking slowly or talking directly to me. But sometimes I'd see people talking on the corridor, like they two people talking. And to me, it was just like gibberish. It's just like noise. Wow. I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot understand what they're saying. And that's kind of this is here. this is something that a lot of. Um, of my students tell me that the discrepancy between 
the learned English and what happens when you come to use it in real life. And there is like, it's, it's like a totally different language. Not only that it's spoken and listened to, you know, versus written and read, but also, yeah, like, you know, you hear different accents, you hear, hear different rhythms. The language is not the same as it's used for, you know, learning materials a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. So for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, how did that make you feel like not being able to understand? I was, I was kind of lost, but I said, okay, I knew what to do. I knew about my work. So I basically, I was just like working and I send emails. I was able to read the emails or to do and talking to my manager. And I think he, apparently he could understand me. <laughs> I was not sure, but um, I was not even thinking about like, is that my accent? I was completely lost in terms mm. of language. And I, at that time I was like watching TV at home, but of course, I, the first thing that got me was I probably got depressed because the first two, three first month, I did not go to the gym. I was very used to go to the gym in Brazil. So I had mm-hmm. a YMCA very close to my apartment. But it took me three months to react to be able to go to the gym. And when I entered the gym, when I entered the YMCA, it was really good for me. Because first of all, I was exercising every night and I was seeing people. I was hearing teachers I was doing all those classes at the time, like kickboxing classes and that kind of stuff. And that was kind of, I think, helped me a lot. Seeing other people's sides work. I mean, at least... Would you say that... Would you say that it was... That you didn't take action because you were crippled by the change and all the things that you had to... Was... The process? I didn't realize I was depressed until... But I think the depression, if I have to think back... It doesn't only last, to me, it didn't last only three months. It lasts probably like two or three years, my first. Wow. You know what I mean? Because it's just like you don't notice you're doing stuff, but you're not active. I think because you're not active in the community, you're not active as a person. As mm-hmm. You lose your identity. And when you realize that you lost your identity, you're going to have to start from zero. Because there's so many things. People are talking taxes. You have no idea about taxes. They're talking about politics. Local politics. You have no idea about politics. You have there's so many things. Like I remember going to the store when stores on Target, and I was buying my grocery store then. And they, I think um, I bought a, like a lime or le- a lemon, lemon, a lime, and I asked the lady, "Why well, don't know the name of this thing?" And she said, "Why did you buy if you don't know what it is?" <laughs> I said. I know what it is in my language. I don't know what it is in English. <laughs> and then it feels like surprised. Like, see, like people, it seems like people are not really prepared to have these people strange. First of all, it was like completely strange color, accent, and whatever they, you know. But I was taking this as I would stay there. I would, and the thing is, after three months, they offered me permanent position. They offered me a green car. They would take care of everything. So they started, I said, oh, I need some time to check up. So they start. Okay, wait. So I want to go into that and for you also to give us some context at where you, like what you do. So I'm sure a lot of people are wondering. But before that, because there are a lot of people watching this who are about to immigrate or have just immigrated and, or they're, you know, thinking about it. 
before we move on, like, you know, talking about this depression and, and losing your identity and not being a part of a community, what are some of the things that you would recommend mm-hmm. people who just immigrate to do or to think about so that they will be aware of it and or avoid the things that you had to go through? Right. I think the very first thing, of course, is language, right? You need to make sure that you really understand almost like 100% of what people say. You need to know that. You need to at least be able to understand what they say. And as far as I'm speaking, I would say you need to be very clear and confident, which I was not, because I lost my confidence like in the first couple of weeks. I I had all my confidence to do, but you really need to work that out before you. Yeah. Go. You need to yeah. know yourself, your your self worth. You need to know your self validation. You cannot expect for people. Oh, they thought my English was good. Oh, somebody said my no. You need to know your English is good. It's clear enough. Of course, you're going to make mistakes yeah. all the time. We are still making mistakes. I'm still making mistakes. But I'm still making mistakes. But you need to be confident about it. So that's the first part. I mean, because I think if you're very confident about yourself and validation, self-worth, validation, and then the other thing is really to... Wait, so this is really good. I'm just going to repeat what you just said because I think it's so good and so important for people to hear it again. So that like before you make such a move, your identity, your, your identity is going to be shaken and challenged. And if you feel insecure about who you are and your self-worth, then this would be like an opportunity or, you know, a pitfall for you to fall into and go into that self-sabotage or depression because it is going to, you know, press on all your buttons, all your, like the, you know, kind of like, um, generate that inner like not generate but uh the it's going to be an incentive for the inner critic to take over so to really do some personal work on your mindset and your self-worth and remember that you are worthy no matter what happens and i think this is such a good point and no one thinks about it we think about how to move our stuff across the ocean or across the continent, but yeah, we don't think right. about that. More so because the, the American society, they are very hard, at least at work, and people are really like, they're kind of seen from outside, they're almost like they're rude, right? Because mm-hmm. everybody, they want the, they talk, in, they talk in their face, whatever needs to be done. I mean, we need to be prepared for that. In Brazil, there's a lot of avoidance. People won't tell you. Mm. Everything's fine. People get late at the meetings. You know, you're going to be in a very harsh environment. I mean, not that environment. Just like you need to be prepared for that because it's going to be like you're going to have to speak out. You're going to have to prove your point and then <clears throat> you're going to need your confidence. And yeah. if you don't have that, I think it's even hard to fake it till you make it. I, at that point, you'd be so weak that won't have energy to create that. So not, if you're going to come prepared, it may take like what happened to me. It took it like years, like two or three years to be able to come out yeah. of that. So what was the second piece of advice that you had for people who are about to make that change? 
before working on themselves. <clears throat> I think about, somebody told me this too. I think some lady said it because I think I was complaining about, okay, I had decided to move and everything. She said, that's true, but sometimes we don't decide to move across country in our, our country and we decide to move out to another country without having that experience because I always lived with my family. My family lived together. Everybody lived like five, ten minutes to each other. Mm-hmm. So I, sh- I, and of course, I've never thought about that living in Brazil. Oh, I'm going to move to, I was from Sao Paulo. I'm going to move to Amazon or I'm going to move to whatever it is because then it would be experience to me how it is to live far from your family. Because, because if you're not to bring your whole family, then you're going to be by yourself. So you need to have that, you know, like pre- the preparation, the psychological preparation is very important as, as much as language. And that's something that I, I think if you have that, that's a very interesting experience because like it took me a long time to buy a car and be driving around. Simple. It doesn't mean the fun part that will be for me to go to places, go to restaurants, go here and there. I, I didn't have that because I was afraid. Oh, I was in my little apartment after work, run to the apartment and staying there like for two or three years. So um, so that's the part that I think you need to have, you know, preparing yourself. Yeah. I mean, for me, just the thought, you know, where I live, it's very sunny and hot usually. Yeah. So, and I'm, I'm a sucker for sun. My last name means sun. Like I, <laughs> if I don't get a little bit of sun on my face every day, I'm depressed. So I don't know about you, but like you also come from a warmer country and yeah. you came from summer and it feels like just that alone, moving into the deep winter of the, of the Midwest, that's also, that must have had an impact that you didn't even think about. No, didn't think about it. It's fun. The first time it's kind of fun because all those snow and it's fluffy, a lot of snow. But then you were like, for I remember like it would start in October and it would go until April. It was almost like six months cold, six months. Yeah. It was just like, <laughs> it's just I mean, on top of everything being like harsh and, you know, when you have to prove yourself. I don't yeah. know how I did it actually. <laughs> I mean, you're my hero, Marcelo. You're my hero right now. I I, I, people need to write books about you and other immigrants. Yes, but there, there are so many other uh, uh, there are so many other people going through this. I actually I saw one guy in influence. He I think when he mentioned something about immigration, he put a post saying he was very depressed. He was not talking to anybody, but he had been here only for maybe a couple of months or something. So I, I told him, I put a comment in there saying, well, have you thought about meetups? There are meetups here, like sites that go and meet people for different things, like language or whatever it is, or sport. That yeah. at least you have a chance for you to go and meet people, maybe some people, maybe other expats or people like from your country or your own country. So build a community around you, surround yourself with a community, even if it's not physical. I think that like yeah. even being a part of a virtual community, but a strong one like the influency community or we're in beyond. So like, I think it's really important to create that for yourself if you're going into a new place, because to do all that on your own, it's just like way too demanding, I think. It is very demanding, um, yeah. I, but I think, I'm not sure how it is today. I mean, things like the internet exploded, you know, the media. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not sure if that's too easier. I know that, for, for instance, right now we have people that are 
how they call um, nomads, right? Um, oh, the digital nomads. Digital yeah. nomads, right? And they, but they travel just like they're on, on vacation because they're just from country to country. Yeah. I, that's, I think it's I think, a different attitude. That's a different ad- attitude, yes. But if you go as to emigrate, to be part of the other country, to go through the process, I think that's not that fun. Because you just you're not traveling all the time, right? You have to work, and you don't have. And also, I think digital nomads they select very international places, places with a lot of foreigners and a lot of travelers, and not like cities, deserted city cities in the Midwest. You know, yes, exactly. Okay, That's so uh, well, uh, Marcelo, tell us a little bit about what you do. Okay, I work in information technology, and I I work with the mainframe. I'm not sure if you know about this, but mainframes are the IBM computers, like the big ones, and and everything. I work with those who work with database. I'm a database analyst or database engineer. And the thing is, my my idea when I came to the United States actually was I really want to like really go deep in my in my my career and learn more stuff. What I noticed when I came here, and maybe because we're related to the language and everything, I didn't have a chance to explore everything that I wanted. And then I stayed it's kind of stuck doing that thing that I kind of knew how to do it. So mm. I think that's the other point that how you, how you your career is gonna progress. You need to plan for your career. Is that a worth going there? Is your career gonna be better if you do it and so mm-hmm. it takes time because you're gonna people don't know how much you're capable of doing stuff it's gonna take time to know you remember you lost your identity you lost your your history your work track so you're gonna have to prove yourself you feel like you have to prove yourself every day which to me my mind is kind of a mindset you need to get <laughs> I had to say something to about it today forget about this about this forget about having to prove yourself it's hard to tell someone because that's bad like if you have to prove yourself every day you're going to be needing validation daily which is how can i work that part of your your inner inner experience if you have to need validation from others all the time yeah I think it's important to make that distinction between setting personal goals and getting them to just, you know, feel accomplished in comparison to getting other people's approval and permission and validation. And this is why, like, we work so hard to prove ourselves. And then if we don't get that feedback, we feel, you know, like we, we suck or not enough. And I think it's important to distinguish between setting personal goals and trying to achieve them versus, you know, just like working for someone else. And uh, even if it's our boss, right? Like we don't do things to please them or to get their permission or approval because if we operate like that, we will never feel satisfied. Because even like if this is the reason why we're operating and doing things, then the reasons for us doing them is probably because, you know, we don't feel enough. And sometimes when that is the feeling, it doesn't matter what feedback we get. Right. Even if it's positive feedback, we'll figure out a way to, you know, to to find the negative in it, you know. Yeah. So the other thing is of the fear that I probably fear that I got because after three years working a company, I got my green card, 
So it meant because the green card, I was an H-1B visa with work visa. <clears throat> work visa is sponsored to you for you to work for that company. So you kind of mm-hmm. stuck with that company for for the, that period. Like a trap. Yeah. You're trapped. <laughs> but my my green card came in three years. That'll be the time for me to really go out running, escaping from the Midwest, <laughs> go, go to California. Uh-huh. But I my dream was to live really, I had a dream before to to live in San Diego. I mm. didn't do it. Because I think first of all, there are three things there. Like um first of all I met my partner in that period. But the other thing it was I felt I I remember the f- the fear that I had when I moved. I think, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to go through that again. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of was fearing to go that because I was used to living there in the Midwest at the time. You didn't you didn't take into consideration that you are more resilient because you've yeah. gone through yeah. it once, so you had the capacity and the ability to manage it in a different way. But I totally understand. Like it was a trauma. It was a traumatic experience. Yeah, and then I had my par- my partner. So I met after like three years. So it, it felt better. I felt like home because he had a lot of friends, and then I, I got to meet people. Um, it was better for me for sure. But I still somehow I got trapped in a in this in a place that I hadn't really I I hadn't chosen to be the city I'd like to live. Right mm-hmm. when I because I didn't go to the Moines because I wanted they told me you go to the Moines, mm-hmm. so I couldn't choose wow. which place. So, but in the end, I really end up liking the Moines. It's just like it's a small town. It was kind of cool, and they had restaurants and here and there. I got used to the winter and everything. And what's funny how people can get used to stuff. We're very adaptable. We're adaptable creatures. We'll find a way to make the best out of every situation that you end up putting us in. You know, and this is like, this is great because everything that changes around you, we figure out a way to live with it pretty quickly. And this is why it's like, even now your experience is okay. It was, you know, it was a tough experience, but I still have some positive feelings towards that. You know, yeah, I, I think sitting. I became a survivor. <laughs> like, I'm such a survivor, <laughs> and I got that to myself. You're using tough else. language here: trapped, <laughs> survivor, trauma. I'm just, I'm just pointing out. You know, yes, that's true. I am a survivor, uh, and I think that if you go to another country, you know the experience. But I think, in your point of view, because you're in New York, it's a big city. I mean, I think it's a little bit more diversity, but. When you go to another country, it's going to be everything different. You need to think about, like, you're going to go basically to the war. <laughs> it won't, you know what I mean? It's going to be, like, you, everything about yourself is going to be tested. Yeah. And you better be prepared. Of course, everybody end up learning in one way or another. But I, if, if I could prepare myself, all those things, those pillars... Um, I may experience it been much better. I mean, I would have enjoyed much more. You know, because there, there's the enjoy, enjoyable part of living in another country because you're living in a new culture, all the kind of, that kind of stuff. I had visited, visited the United States um, three years before I moved here. I went to, um, I went to San Francisco for an English course, two weeks in San Francisco, two weeks in New York. Like two different places, so 
it was completely, I really liked it. It was really fun, but only for two weeks. Basically, I mean, I was going just for vacation. But you're going yeah. to go for a living. I don't know. I, I'm not sure what people think about it. <laughs> yeah. So first of all, you're totally scaring them right now. So <laughs> <laughs> so just to, just to like reorganize the whole, reframe the whole thing. Marcelo, looking back where you are today, are you happy that you made that decision to immigrate? I definitely. I, I definitely had to move to the United States as a person and everything as a, you know, really to express myself as a person. I am a gay man. So I, I came into this country. I, I was able to come out and be myself right away. Wow. So that's, I mean, very important to me. As the, If I had to stay there in Brazil, I probably, I don't know if I'm not sure what, what had happened. But here, there was this part that was being myself. And it was very easy to do that, even in the morning. <laughs> even in the morning. It's so interesting because, like, on one hand, you're telling me I had to leave my identity, right, behind. Yet, it's kind of like you're tapping into or creating a new identity. Yes. So there are, like, all the hardships around that. And then, but at the same time, there is freedom yes. in it. There's freedom. There was freedom. Um, yes, I think I, that's right. I was not. I didn't have the experience of being a gay man in Brazil, but I was able to do that here. And that morning was actually in Iowa was the first state. I think one of the first states in, uh, in the United States that accepted gay marriage, that allowed gay marriage. Um, I'm not married, but I have my partner from that time. But we are still together. We're not married. But uh, but I liked the idea that uh, Iowa had that. So at the same time, yeah. I mean, you cannot say those people are mean or anything. It's just like, it's very confusing. Are they just fearing people from outside when they know, get to know you? It's, you know what I mean? They, they will hug you. It's nice. When I moved and like what my experience, you know, Israel is a very, uh, Israeli culture is very intimate. Like there is like no personal space. We're in each other's lives, right? Uh, we're in your face, we're in your life for better or for worse, right? And the connections within the family is really powerful. And um, we say what we think. We're very straightforward. And when I moved to the U.S., so the interesting thing for me was actually like when I moved at the age of 21, for me, I actually wanted to leave everything behind. I wanted to start fresh. I wanted to leave my identity. So I joyfully immersed <laughs> myself completely letting go of any, you know, identity traces that I've had. So I completely surrendered to that new culture. But I have to say, if now like that's, I that would never happen to me right now because for me, like I'm very kind of like, I, I feel a lot more centered in where I am, like culturally and, I, you know, identity wise. But I think that like, the, the, there is something about American culture that for me was very indirect. I know that for you, it was kind of like more straightforward and direct, but for me, it was like very indirect. The connections were different. Like the level in which you connect with people is different and it takes a little longer to have that really, really strong bond. I ended up having very good friends who are um, Americans, but I ended up also really connecting with all the, you know, the 
foreigners, you know, like the Canadians and the Brazilians and the Europeans. And like, like I ended up having stronger relationships with, and I think it had to do with um, the type of culture that we shared. Um, I want to talk about something that came up in one of our coaching sessions. So Marcella was um, a new sound member, one of my programs and in the program, we have coaching sessions. And um, there was one session where we talked about, um, English, like the struggles of communicating in English in a different place, in a different culture, but also experiencing microaggressions and micro inequalities, being a non-native speaker and being also, um, an immigrant, an immigrant or a foreigner, you know, the way they see us. So can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah, uh, I think it, microaggression is probably the best word for this because I really, I don't remember having any racism act towards me, never happened, but microaggression for sure. Like hearing, overhearing people saying, oh, does he have any skills? But somebody else also defending me, yes, he does. You know, like things like that. Like, uh, would you Would you define microaggression? For those who don't know this term? Microaggression, to me at least, is like those things that you don't know if people are really attacking you. It's like some kind of a joke or something they say as a nonchalant, just saying that. But after like maybe a minute, you say, oh, I think he, that person offended me. <laughs> and, but then it's past the time. You cannot go back. But the trauma stayed there with you. That's the yeah. problem, the trauma. Because imagine that happening several times or in different places. When you go buy something, when you go for lunch, somebody says somebody say something to you. Or I remember going to the mall and then waiting for the bus and this lady said, um, she started talking to me and she says, do you speak English? Uh, I said, uh, we, were we talking this before? Why are you asking me? Like, It's just like, that's Such a condescending micro, question. Microaggression yeah. here and there is just, yeah. So, and that's the part to me that it's very important to to have your, you know, like uh, self worth. But because you need to be prepared for when that happens to you, you need to establish boundaries. And right away, you're gonna confront those people. You're gonna ask them what they're doing, or you can just turn that off and don't care about them turn around and leave them, talk to themselves. So that's yeah. very important to have that. And, then, and it's very healthy. Yeah? I mean, it makes it fun because you won't, you won't, you're not afraid to go into interactions and to connect yeah. with the people because they, they won't be able to do anything to you. You're an adult right now. So you can take care of yourself. And that's, I mean, that's the best thing to know. That's just perfect. And I think that, what you said really, uh, I'm sure that a lot of people have experienced the same thing and they couldn't put it in words. And I think that by you defining it and being, you, you know, and saying, this is something that I struggled with and that really kind of like freaked, you know, really confused me because I think that experience of like, that's microaggression that you're like, you freeze when that happens because it's not overt racism or discrimination, right? Like something's yeah. happening but you freeze. I experienced it a few times too. And I'm like, okay. 
and you shut down. And then after there was like this rage or anger is like, who do they think they are? Or why am I feeling this way? Or, you know, you start rationalizing it too. Oh, she was just trying to be nice. Oh, she just, she doesn't really know, or he doesn't, he didn't mean to look like he's scared around me. I just interpret it. So you start psyching yourself out with, you know, reinterpreting what actually happened when in fact, yes, this is something legit that Mm -hmm. is happening that we need to know how to manage those situations. And uh, in in fact, in a few weeks, I'm going to bring over a guest experts who would give us tools to manage these situations. And I'm, I'm, I think that's going to be extremely valuable. Um, I agree with you. I'm also, I was really great for me. I mean, I, as a person, as a working my inner strength, that was really fantastic. And I think investing in ourselves and our personal growth and our mindset is probably the best thing we could do when making any big change, like immigrating, for example. Exactly. Yes, I agree with you. So, Marcelo, before we wrap up, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your plans for the upcoming year living in the States? So I, after doing a new sound, was a huge change to me in terms of communication. And now doing beyond, I am able to go live and talk to people. I'm not afraid. It doesn't matter how many people we have in a, in a Zoom meeting or even in real life, if I have to, I'm going to be able to talk. I'm, I'm not afraid to do that anymore. I don't think I could do that in the past. <laughs> but um, in the future, I still I want to learn a lot of things. But one, one thing that I also learned to do is I want to learn things without the pressure that I have to use that, or I need to use that for money. So I, I'm a very curious guy. I want to learn a lot of things. And mm. I don't know, maybe in the future, who knows, I can even decide to open my own business and I'll be happy to do that. If, it, if that's for me, I, I want to do it. So I'm really happy now. I'm, I'm looking forward for the future and I'm learning day by day, learning more. I think we will learn, I mean, until the end of our lives and that makes us more alive. And, you know, I feel like in a way your calling is to teach and give back. And, you know, like when you said open your business, I'm like, yes, because he has a lot of, you know, so many things to offer because I see how you, you know, your contribution to our free community, the influencer community and beyond, like you always offer, um, Uh, a piece of advice or coaching or support. And I think that these little things, they really change lives. And since that's already in you, I can definitely see how you can leverage that and turn it into your life's business. So sounds, sounds like an amazing plan. All right, Marcelo, thank you so much for spending this time with us and sharing with us your story. It, it was so meaningful. And I'm sure that so many people took a lot of insights and uh, encouragement to make that change and do the things that will make it seamless and uh, safe for them. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me here, Kadar. It was really thank nice. Thank you. A real pleasure. I could have thank continued you. this conversation for another hour <laughs> <Yes>. at least. <laughs> All right. Thank With you, good Marcella. Internet. Have a good- <laughs> With good internet. Exactly. <laughs> All right. 
Thank you so much for watching. I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. And Marcelo, thank you so much for being so open and vulnerable and sharing with us your story. If you like this episode, consider liking and subscribing to this channel or the podcast wherever you're listening to this interview. And I'm inviting you to share with us your thoughts about this episode in the comments or just send me a DM on Instagram at hadar.accentsway. Thank you so, so much for being here and I'll see you next week in the next video. Bye.